Welcome to the Join the Revolution podcast. Here are your hosts, Jim Montgomery and Cody Sandlin. Welcome back, everybody, to the third episode of the Join the Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Jim Montgomery. Cody couldn't be with us today. He's out selling a bunch of drill bits, so... I am flying solo for this show, but I am excited to be a part of it. Um, this The title of this show is The Sales Life, so I'm really going to get into the sales life here at Revolution Drill Bits, uh, my own personal experience and how we come to kind of our process and what we do, um, and just kind of get into it. So I don't want to carry on too long today. We've been going about 40 or 45 minutes. I can talk, but I don't know that I can talk as well as our two former guests, so I'm just going to jump into it. So here we go. Before we get started, I want to mention our first sponsor, which is Peden & Associates. Since 1996, the Certified Public Accounting Office of Peden & Associates has been serving the tax and accounting needs of the greater Houston area and beyond. Peden & Associates provides tax, payroll, accounting, and consulting services to individuals and small to medium-sized companies. Call Jackie Peden today at 281-992-1512 to discuss how Peden & Associates can help you and your business grow. So let's just get into it. I want to I want to set the stage here and I want to talk about our competition first. And so I want to give a little bit of background as to where Revolution Drill Bits is in the marketplace. And by talking about our competition, I think I can do that just a little bit. And so the first thing that I really need to say about our competition is that we are up against some ap- absolute behemoths in this business some giants, some death stars, right? You think Los Angeles Lakers, New York Yankees, Boston Celtics, New England Patriots. We are up against some absolute giants who make a very good quality product. But let's, you know, let's run down the list. Smith Bitch, which is now a Schlumberger company, they were acquired for $11.3 billion. All right. They were founded in 1937. Baker Hughes is a $29.9 billion company founded in 1908. Halliburton is a $20.6 billion company. National Oil Well Varco, which is NOV, they are a $6 billion company. Altera Technologies, which is a domestic giant, did over $500 million in one-year revenue last year. Okay, so that's just kind of the top five of our major competitors. There's more out there. But as you can see by the numbers, these guys are absolute giants. And here we are, Revolution Drill Bits, founded in 2021 on less than $3 million. Okay, first drill bits in the fleet in 2022. And we're out here competing. And so I talk about those guys just to say what an honor it is for us to be able to dance in the same arena that these guys dance in, to be able to compete against these guys on a daily basis and go out there and have some success about, you know, with, with our drill bits and compete and win and set records and to be at at a rate where we are today, which we are almost a full calendar year ahead of our projections. Okay. So it's kind of been a kind of a rocket ship trajectory for us, an explosion into the marketplace, if you will. And it's because of our process, not only in manufacturing and engineering, but our sales process really, which kind of got us off the ground and rolling. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But first, I want to talk about just why sales, why why be in sales? Okay, so salespeople rank as one of the most hated professions in the world when rated by consumers. 
buyers really don't like dealing with salespeople and dealing with people in our profession. Heck, I don't even really like dealing with them myself, to be honest with you. But here I am, the VP of sales and marketing for an oil and gas service company. So why sales? Why choose it? And what is it that keeps me coming back? And so for me, that's really a three-part answer to that question. First and foremost is that what we're selling at Revolution Drill Bits and what we are providing allows me to provide a value to the customer that helps him be successful in advance in his career. And you may say, what do you mean advance in his career? How does it help him be successful? So our drill bits go in the ground, okay, and they drill for oil. And the faster that we can drill for and complete our wells here in the United States, the cheaper energy is for everybody. So that's one, how I can provide a bit that provides value to be successful is to drill them faster and more economically than they've ever drummed before. And how to advance in his career is really simple. Okay. These guys are never going to go wrong picking out one of the major competitors that I mentioned before. Okay. When they report to their supervisor or their drilling manager, nobody's ever really going to get in trouble for making that choice. Okay. They're the status quo. All right, you're not going to go wrong. But when you pick up Revolution Drill Bits, it's a risky venture for you, right? We're, we're unknown. We've been in business a little bit over a year, but we've only had bits out in the Permian Basin since the beginning of this year. And we only had two in January. We have significantly amount more now, but we only had two in January. So our book of history and our brand recognition is not very big. So if you pick us up and you put us in the ground, we better do exactly what we say we're going to do or you're going to have to answer to your supervisor as to why you picked us up. And as I said, you can't go wrong picking those other guys up, but you picked us up, picked us up to go against the status quo and do something completely different. Part two of why I love sales is the competition externally. Okay. Like I said, we are up against some giants. What an honor it is to go against these guys. These are the best of the best, right? The top gun of the industry. And for us to go out there and compete against them on a daily basis is phenomenal. I relish that challenge, right? I relish knowing that I'm getting the best companies in the world at making drill bits. And I have the opportunity to go upset that balance as a sales rep and provide a product to the customer that completely changes the way this is viewed. So it's that competition externally that I enjoy, but that's really driven by point number three. And that is the competition with myself. Okay. Every day it's waking up and I have to be better today than I was yesterday. I've got to be better tomorrow than I was today. I've got to be better next week than I was this week. And to do that, it's really out of an obligation for the people that I love, my family, my wife, my kids, the people that I work with, all right, and the people that I work for. And what I mean by the people that I work with is I feel an obligation to make sure that Cody and his wife can go on a vacation this year. I feel an obligation to the company to make revenue for the company. I feel an obligation to the guy that's out there that sweeps the shop floor, that he gets a bonus and that he's able to you know, pay his light bill and pay his rent. I have an obligation to support my wife and my kids. And I have an obligation to myself to be better every day to carry all of those things out. So when I wake up every morning, it doesn't matter if I'm tired. It doesn't matter if I don't feel good. It doesn't matter if, you know, had a bad morning trying to get the kids off to school. I have got to figure out what to do, what to research, how to get better every day than the day I was before. And it's that love 
with the competition for myself and the competition externally and providing that value to the customer that just keeps me coming back on a daily basis. It's not easy. If it was, everybody would start up a big company and they would go on about it. You know, I've talked a lot about our competition already and mentioned those guys. I spent six years at a place called Caprock Drill Bits. Okay. And when I first said I was going to talk about our competition, everybody was like, Ooh, mm, yeah, I don't know if you should do that. Right. I don't know if you should talk about your competition. I've got nothing but respect for every single one of our competitors. I worked for six years at Caprock Drill Bits, sold a lot of drill bits for them. And then Cody was with me in a customer's office uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I talked to the customer about it. I said, look, I've got nothing but respect for those guys over there. They make a quality product. Okay. And I spent six years selling to the customer for them. So what kind of person would I be if after six years, okay, I come into your office after selling you drill bits for six years, and now I do nothing but run those people down over there, tell you what crap they are, how their product's no good, and all of these things. You would look at me and say, well, were you lying to me for six years or are you lying to me now? Okay, so I don't have a negative thing to say about any one of our competitors. They do things differently. We do things differently. Okay, I think that because of the way that they do things, we have a place in the market. All right. And that's really what I'm here to talk about today is why we have a place in the market. And I want to talk about some things that we really do differently from a sales approach. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit first about feature-based selling. I've, I've crossed why I love doing sales, but there are techniques and aspects of sales that really, you know, I began to recognize over my career and to do things differently. I want to talk a little bit about feature-based selling and what it is. So the first thing that I need to say is, is feature-based selling is where people really kind of talk about the intricacies of their drill bit design uh, and the features that are on the drill bit. And they what what they could do what I call, you know, engineering marketing. Okay. And so they name these features, excuse me, they name these features and then they go out and they sell these names, you know, like the Thor's hammer cutter and the Megatron bit. And they really do a beautiful job with these, these things. And then they sell on those features. And so I just want to, I want to say this. Okay. That I was asked by a customer of mine, if you could have anything from one of the majors, what would it be? And without hesitation, okay, I said, I would love to have their marketing budget because they market so well, all right? They really do. They've got millions of dollars poured into marketing. And in our industry, it's about 90%, give or take, dominated by the male gender, okay? And I say that because men, we are visual creatures, okay? If we, we are convinced and compulsed to do things by what we see with our eyes first, Okay. Whereas women, in my opinion, are a much difficult, much more difficult sell. They're much more analytical at first. Okay. And so for men, these guys wrap, they make cool names. They wrap it up in, in good looking graphics and what I call engineering marketing. And they go start feature-based selling about all these features. And they put the technical blobs on their websites and out, you know, what the purpose and, of the design is and why the feature is successful and, you know, the intent of the feature and all those types of things. But I, here's, what, here's just the reality, okay? Every single drill bit has a feature. Every single one of them. There is not a drill bit around right now that does not have a feature. 
our competition just names it and that's how they sell it. And, and people get married up to a name and then every six months they got to roll out a new name, right? And a new feature for you to buy. Okay. We will not participate in feature-based selling at Revolution Drill Bits. We're not going to get caught up in it. We're not going to walk like them or talk like them or act like them and name things, you know, the, the Sidewinder bit and the King Cobra Cutter and all of these different types of things to feature-based sell you into buying from us. Our sole focus here at Revolution Drill Bits is providing a value to you to run us. And that value has to be because we do things better than the person that you're currently using. Okay. We engineer better. Uh, we perform better. We give you better customer service. All of that is wrapped up into the value that we provide you that makes you continue to run us on a daily basis. And because we're doing that, we're having success upsetting the status quo. Okay. And revolution kind of has a double meaning here, right? When we say revolution, well, you think, you know, a turn of a revolution, the, the bit goes down in the hole and it makes revolutions. Um, but really kind of, it's the upsetting of the status quo where feature-based selling is so dominant and so rampant that we can't walk, talk and say like this. And I'm going to tell you, there was a point in my career where this happened to me and, and I had this realization, okay? I was working for a small independent service company and I was calling on a customer and I was, there's there's buzzwords in our industry. Okay. And, and two of the biggest buzzwords are application specific and cost per foot. Okay. Those are the two biggest buzzwords in our industry. They are used, abused, overused, whatever you want to call it. They're, they're used on a daily basis. Everybody says it. And at this point in my career, I didn't really realize that. Okay. But I was sitting in a customer's office and I'm talking to him and I'm giving our pitch and I'm feature-based selling on the We're application specific. We're going to save you money on your cost per foot. Meanwhile, I didn't really have any knowledge of his operation at all, right? I'd been given a catalog, some spec sheets, and I was told this is a revenue I had to go sell. So I was in there selling, telling them all about this bit that I really didn't know if it was going to be that successful. And I was hitting him with the buzzwords, man. I'm just beating him up. Application specific cost per foot, probably said them three or four times while I was in there. And I could tell I was talking to a brick wall and I knew I was, I was not going to make the sell. I'm frustrated at this point in my career because this is what was happening to me on a daily basis. No, after no, after no. And people are just toned after what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm starting to think I suck, you know? And so I'm walking out of this customer's office and I look over on his side table and there's a tally book, which is, is used in our industry. Some people use them to take notes in, but it's used as a pipe tally book on the rigs. But there's a tally book from one of our competitors and it's flipped upside down. And on the back of this tally book is written application specific design. Okay. I'll never forget this moment in my career. All right. It's written application specific design. And I see that. And my heart sinks. All right. And I hit the elevator and I'm down and I'm sitting in my truck and I don't leave the parking garage for probably 30 minutes. And I'm sitting in the truck. I'm dejected. I'm like, gosh, I, you know, I have got to go be different. I've got to do something different because look, if I walk like Smith bits and I talk like Baker Hughes and I sound like Halliburton, right. And I smell like old Tara. Well, then you might as well stay with the original. I've given you no incentive to even try me because I'm saying the same things that they say. All right. 
So I'm, I'm pondering in my brain how I'm going to be different and what I'm going to do. And so I start to think about the process by which these, the, some of our major competitors go by and, and they sell with, okay? What makes their sales team so successful? What did they do? And how can I, you know, be different than that so that my identity is known a little bit differently? I started thinking about it, okay? So you have an account manager, these major companies, you have an account manager. And he's the guy that just kind of manages the account. He takes the orders. He's the spec sheet, feature-based sales rep, right? And he's in there and he's taking care of them and he's bringing them a dozen tacos for breakfast and they're going to lunch and they play golf and make a trip to the hunt and lease and he's entertaining the crap out of them and he's doing a dang good job of it. There is a place for those people in this business. I am not knocking anybody, so do not take it that way. There is a place for that in our industry. It's just not for us, but that's one of the guys, right? And then when you've got to talk a little bit about drilling dysfunction, stick slip and whirl and, uh, you know, all of the things that go along into to drilling dysfunction and you've got to talk about build rates and you've got to talk about dull conditions and why certain things are happening in the way they happen, you've got to bring in an applications engineer. So those major companies have an applications engineer and he goes in and handles, you know, all the issues with rotary steerable and vibrations and, you know, torsional loads and all the things that are going on down there and down the hole. And then when you got to talk about a new drill bit design, you have a design team that comes in and those guys come in and they talk about spiral order and back rate feature and gauge configuration and depth of cut limiters and where they're set at and what they're intended to do. And so it's a big, big Death Star, right? As I mentioned, it is a group of people. And I sat back and I was like, you know what? I've got to be the person that doesn't need the team to go with me to sell my product. That's how I'm going to be successful. I've got to be able to go in there and be the account manager that brings a dozen tacos and can entertain. I've got to be able to go in there and know what to do when we're having stick slip and we're having bit whirl and what to recommend as far as drilling parameters and write my own roadmaps. And I've got to be able to diagnose my own drill bit dull conditions. And know exactly when I see the bit, why that happened and what it indicates. I've got to know spiral orders and back rake schemes. And I've got to know gauge configurations and why we do things certain way. Why we set depth of cut limiters at certain heights. And what all of this is intended to do. And use that in unison as a sales rep to be the tip of the spear. That guy that provides value to them. The single point of contact for that customer. Okay. Because if you ask any of these, any drilling engineer, any drill bit buyer, they don't like having to have multiple points of contact. If I, because if you think about all the operations, I'm just talking about drill bits on a drilling rig. Okay. This is a massive drilling rig. You've got drill bits, you've got directional, you've got drill pipe, you've got downhole tools, you've got mud, you've got all of these things. And these guys have to deal with all of these reps from these different companies. They just want a single point of contact when they got to deal with a drill bit. Just give me one guy. I don't want to call 15 different people. So I said, okay, I've got to figure out how to do this. And I'm at this point in my career, I am going to go become a non-degreed applications engineer. I'm going to go become a non-degreed design engineer. And I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to learn about all of this stuff. Because if I'm going to be successful, I have to be one person that can outwork five or six or seven. Okay, that I can do the same work that they do, talk the same language that they talk, understand the things that they see, and they don't ever have to deal with anybody else but me. 
So I started on my quest. I got with our head of operations and I became a nuisance. Okay. And I got in there and I got in his hip pocket and asked why, 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 why? I don't understand. Tell me about it. Why does this look this way? What's going on? You know, what's happening on this screen? Okay. So when a drill bit is in the ground, we have what's called Payson or Todco. And to the casual viewer, it just looks like a bunch of squiggly lines on the screen. Okay. And I call it decoding the matrix. All right. Because these lines don't stop moving. It's, it's a vertical base screen with a lot of different panes on it. Okay. And these lines are moving constantly back and forth. And so I call it decoding the matrix. All right. You've got to be able to see that picture that's on there and know what's going on down the hole. So I got in his hip pocket and learned what was going on about that. Learned about dull conditions and why cutters wear the way they do. What's the difference between cutter wear, right? And how do you tell them apart? And what does it indicate? I started learning about formations and transition zones and got to the point where I could write my own parameter roadmaps using depth of cut control and limiting ROP. I got to the point where I could talk about drill bit design and spiral orders and back rake schemes and those effects on the, the drilling environment down hole and talking about HSI and, you know, talking about jet force impact and all of these things that I needed to learn. And I needed to learn them in a rapid pace. And I did not learn them rapidly. I'm still learning today, but I started sponging all this information up and like the light bulb came on. All right. I became 10 times the salesman I was that was just feature based selling the features on my drill bit and hoping that one out of every 10 people that I saw would give me an opportunity. Okay, so now I'm sharp. I'm the tip of the spear. If you deal with me, I don't have to give you that answer that says, I don't know, but I'll get back with you. Or I'll get you in touch with somebody who can answer that for you. No, I can answer it. We're all good. Let's rock and roll. So that was kind of the change in my career. And then I kind of employed that and started developing the staff in that manner, which was, hey, you guys have to be more than a spec sheet guy. You got to be more than a taco delivery guy. Okay. You got to get sharp or you're going to get, get your butt whipped. All right. And I know that you've done it a certain way. You've come from a major. I've been there. I know that you've done it a certain way over here, but for us to be successful, it's not cookie cutter. Okay. You're not going to be able to just roll in there because you know the guy and not be able to show him some sort of perceived value that you can provide him and then execute. Okay. So you know, we, we say, I said a lot of all that to say that our approach here at Revolution Drill Bits is drastically different. Okay. We don't sell bits. We sell the right bit. So when I look at our sales team here, I'm a different type of manager. Okay. Certainly we have metrics that we track, but I will not put a revenue number on, on our salesman's head. Like Cody's, Cody's one of our account reps. I will not put a revenue dollar on Cody's head because it's more important to me and the reputation of Revolution Drill Bits, that he sells the right bit over selling a certain dollar amount each month. And I hated that working at former companies. You got to sell this much amount and you get towards the middle of the back half of that month and you realize I'm a little bit far away. Now my job's on the line. My family could be in jeopardy and I just start selling, 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 selling. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. I just start throwing them out, throwing them out. Let's get some bit runs. Let's, let's get some motor runs. And I've done the wrong thing for the company, but I've made the dollar amount. And so for us here, we aren't focused on market share. We're focused on value. 
Okay. So we're never going to be that company that just puts bits out or give pits away or, you know, does something in that market share focus. We feel like market share is a given if you do the right job. Okay. Just like I'm in sales, obviously making money is part of that, but that is a given, right? I'm doing my job. Making money is a given, but why do I love doing what I'm doing? Why? As a company, why do we love doing what we're doing? It's not for market share. That's a given. That will come if we do things the right way. It's to provide value to the customer that he is not getting from the status quo, that he is not getting from the giants that I talked about. And again, this is no slight to them. What they are doing works for them. Obviously, it's awesome when you hear the billion dollar numbers. But how we're successful and how we upset that apple cart and disrupt everything and kind of tip everything over is to drive performance, right? To continually improve upon your product in a rapid pace, not once every six months or once a year, every other month, maybe by the end of the month. Okay, we're going to continue to churn and burn and be better than our best, right? At the end of the day, we want our only competition to be ourselves. Right. We've set a record. Okay. What's, what's on the drawing board? How are we going to go be better? What's the limit that we can push to? Right. And that, that goes all into working with our, you know, our cutter providers and our suppliers and everything else, figuring out how we're going to push the limit and be the best. And that will dictate market share to us. So I'm going to switch gears here and I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the mentality and the makeup of being a sales rep. Okay. And this goes for being, you know, doing sales in general, and then also, you know, being a sales rep here at Revolution Drill Bits. And I say that because you're going to hear this word a lot. And this word is no. Okay. And no is really an indication of one thing. It means that we did not do our job effectively because let's break it down. Okay. Let's look at it. You've scheduled an appointment with a potential customer and they've agreed to let you in their office. They want to buy. 90% of the time, they want to buy. If they did not care, if they did not want information, if they did not want to know, they do not let you in their office. Maybe 10% of the time, it's a fact-finding mission. Okay? Maybe 10% of the time, they got a buddy who works at another company, and that guy's like, hey, man, have you heard about what so-and-so is doing? If you hear anything, can you let me know? Sure, I'm not going to deny that that doesn't go on. Okay? I'm sure it does. I don't have, you know cold hard proof, but I'm sure it does. Okay. It's a relationship driven business. All right. But 90% of the time, if they let you in there, they want to buy. So if you leave and the answer was no, because there is only two answers when you leave, it is either yes or no. Maybe is no. Talk to me in two weeks is no. Come back in six months is no. Yes. Ends with a commitment a well name and a date to have that thing delivered. Okay. That's it. So no, let's just separate out the yeses, right? We expect to win. We hate to lose. So let's take out the yeses. We, we expected to win. High five. Great job. Now we're going to focus on the no. No means you didn't do something right to close that opportunity. That's what it means. And it's very personal, but it's not an attack. Okay, so there's a difference. And I say that there is a difference because it's sales reps, as sales reps who have been around and been, we tend to get very sensitive. We tend to get our feelings hurt a lot. 
Okay, you tell me I didn't do something right, then you're damning my abilities and you're condemning my job and I got to go find somewhere else to work. That's not what that means here. You didn't mean, you didn't do something right means we need to go back, reanalyze our process, figure out what we didn't do right, listen to what the customer told us, and we got to go back in with a different pitch next time. Because if you go back in with the same pitch that you just pitched a week ago or two weeks ago or two months ago and you expect a different result, you're being kind of foolish, right? I mean, because you're going to get the same result. He didn't like it the first time he heard it. There's no magic potion that he ran into that says it's changed his mind, right? You have to change his mind. And you didn't do that the first time when he said no. It's not offensive. It's just reality. No means you didn't do your job right. So while being a sales rep, the first time I had had that reality was a little tough to swallow, right? Because you think you're doing everything right. But being a sales rep is a constant strain. It's what I talked about, the competition with yourself to get better every day. It is a constant strain and a constant battle against yourself. When you go in there, you have to read the environment, read the person, listen to what he's saying, find out what he's using, why he's using it. All of these things go into the sales rep process. You're processing this all at a rapid pace to be able to spit something out of your mouth that makes him want to buy your product. Okay. And I've had it happen to me before where you go in and you go call on this customer and he's had a bad meeting and he, he welcomes you into his office, flips his book onto the table, says, I got five minutes for you, Deb. Having a bad day. I'm behind. I got to catch up. That is absolutely not the time to give your pitch and feature based sell or whatever it is, try to sell your product. In that instance, I said, Hey man, look, let's just reschedule. Are you okay? Is there anything that I can do to help you out get through this day? Right. Most of the time they're going to tell you no, because you can't do their job for them. But sometimes in some cases I've been told, yes, can you look up all this information for me and get it back to me? Absolutely. Okay. No just means that you didn't do your job right. Okay. That's all it means. It didn't, you didn't do your job effectively. So we've got to go back and work as a team to figure out how to do your job effectively the next time, because this is just being honest. We don't have time to wait for seven touches or 12 touches or 14 touches with the customer, 12 appointments, 14 appointments. We don't have that length in the sales cycle. Our goal is to close it out on the first run. We, I mean, on the first visit, we want to close it on the first visit. We recognize that's likely not going to happen, but the odds get really good by the time we get to two and three. Okay. By the time we get to two and three, we're so sharp and keen on listening to why he said no the first time, that when we come back the second time, that objection is completely eliminated, and it's a yes. Okay, once you can eliminate all of these objections, and they could be a wide variety of them. It could be price, it could be fear, it could be not enough information, it could be trust, it could be a number of things. Okay, once you've eliminated all those objections, the only thing left to say is yes. So that is a diligent quest on the salesman's part to go be better every day and understand the dynamics of the sales process. So, you know, here it is just a, a constant evolution as a sales rep uh, at Revolution Drill Bits. I love the way we do it. We're going to train hard. We're going to be educated. We're going to continually strive to get better. We're going to look for outside influ influences. I listen to a lot of sales podcasts, webinars, things of that nature, read a few sales books, 
Okay, I'm always looking for maybe that next edge, something I don't see. But what I will say is if you're in sales and you're listening to this, it's not cookie cutter. Okay, so I've listened to some, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort. Okay, I've listened to some of his sales stuff and it's geared towards telemarketing. And I can tell you that being in a person to person, face to face sales avenue, a lot of that stuff won't work for me. I won't be able to go in there and just be like, hey, man. Uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Okay. I'm not supposed to be doing this, but if you'll buy this drill bit for me today, I can get you 50% off. That is not going to work for me. Okay. Now it works for telemarketing and it sure worked for the Wolf of Wall Street, but that is just not going to work here. Okay. So you have to be able to go through these webinars and these sales trainings and take it piece by piece and apply it to your industry. And there are a lot of people that I listen to that are phenomenal, phenomenal salespeople. Um, so I would encourage anybody in sales to continually strive to get better. That's what you should be doing as a sales rep every day, continually strive to get better. Um, but working here, if that isn't, you know, if going in and doing it the same old way you've been doing it the last 15 years, it's not going to yield very good returns. And you probably wash out of a small independent company. If you come from a major and you take that approach, you know, oftentimes when we leave these bigger companies, we think that we hung the moon there and we put them in business. And that when we leave or we go do something else on our own, we're going to put them out of business, right? There's not anybody that's left, Smith, Bits, Baker Hughes, Halliburton, NOV, Altera, that's put them out of business. Not one single sales rep that has left that have put them out of business. Maybe taking some business away for a time being, but that brand is so big and so large that for the most part, it's going to sell itself. So it's, it's easy. And I've been there to get this inflated sense of self-worth when you work for those organizations, but they sell themselves. You know, I get asked often, you know, how hard is it to sell at Revolution Drill Bits? And I said, well, you just got to break it down. If I put any one of those major names that I mentioned, I strap their logo to my chest. Every door opens. When I put Revolution Drill Bits logo on my chest, those doors don't open. I've got to have a compelling reason to get in there. Their brand gets them in there. I don't have a brand yet. So they've got to have a compelling reason for me to open the door. So I better be good at what I do and know what I'm doing and do my research and do my education, study, be the best, right? So anyhow, I'm going to to end this and wrap this up. It, it's been a joy for me to come in here and just talk a little bit about selling. I could go on and on for hours and techniques and, um, you know, just all the different little intricacies of the sales approach and how to navigate difficult conversations and overcome objections and all of those things. We may do that on a later podcast, um, but that's just kind of the general overview for Revolution Drill Bits. Um, one, you've got to be passionate about selling. You really do. You've got to love it. You've got to love to compete. You've got to love to compete against yourself. You've got to be more technical than the next next guy. You've got to love the word no because it means you have an opportunity to get him to have improvement. Okay? And you've got to relish the challenge to go against some of the biggest giants in the industry. What an honor. What an honor. For real. Uh, it's no joke to me to be sitting here a year and a half into this thing and to be in the conversation of the top two bit providers and one of them being these guys that are worth billions of dollars. Okay. It is, it is, it is phenomenal to me. 
make no mistake about it. We are not satisfied. We are not satisfied. We're hungry. We're on the come up. We're growing. And we're going to continue this process for as long as humanly possible. So I'm going to wrap it up. Cody, man, Cody and I may be coming back here in a few weeks. We have talked about wanting to do a sports cast podcast and just putting it out there. There's a lot of good sports going on out there right now. You got MLB in the playoffs. You got NCAA football, college football's halfway through the season. You got the NFLs going on, got a few teams standing out in the NFL. Um, and so we may just get on and talk about the wide world of sports next time, but I'm going to wrap it up before I do. I want to mention our last sponsor, Laura Sandlin state farm in Midland, Texas. For over 100 years, State Farm has helped people manage the risks of everyday life, helped rebuild neighborhoods, invested in our communities, and supported education and safety initiatives across this country. It's what being a good neighbor is all about. Laura and her team have over 70 combined years of experience in the insurance industry, offering a variety of insurance coverages from car, home, small business, life, and health to investments and banking opportunities. Stop by today for a free quote and see how State Farm can bundle your policies and save you money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm killing these sponsorships, y'all. I'm killing them. So I'm going to sign off, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to join the revolution. 